You're listening to Feedback with Bill Saunders on News Talk 830 WEEU and 830WEEU.com. A new generation of talk. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Feedback, your on-air town square here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond, 830 WEEU. Good morning, everyone. Along with Sean Tansky, I'm Bill Saunders. We enjoy having your company on this Thursday morning. Our phone number's here if you'd like to take part in the conversation, or 610-374-8800, or toll-free, 888-401-0459, and the email address here, if you prefer to write to us instead, is feedback at 830weeu.com. And if you'd like us to read your email on the air, yeah, I know, I say it every day, but I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Include your first name, the town you live in, and let us know whether or not we have your permission to read it on the air. Um, We've got some great news here. Uh, We're back in podcast form, are we not? Yeah, that is right, Bill. Uh, Yesterday, I was able to get all three of... uh the feedback episodes done this week up on podcast format uh the big three spotify apple podcasts and amazon podcasts Ooh, the, the big most ones popular ones yeah some of the other big ones like radio fm uh-huh. i know is a big one and soundcloud right uh, we still have to get those accounts set up so they're not on that uh right yet but they will be soon but pretty much Whatever podcast uh, app you like to use, if you search Feedback with Bill Saunders, uh, you'll most likely find it. Uh, If not, uh, shoot us an email. uh, Say, hey, this one's not up here. We'll look into it. We'll try to get up there. But Spotify, Apple, and Amazon, uh, those uh, are the big three. So those is where you could find these episodes. If you want to re-listen to them or if you missed it and you want to listen to them, that's where you could find them. Cool. And also they can get the the podcast on our own website. Yes, correct. At, at 830weeu.com at the top of the uh, the top banner there in the menu. Just uh, click on that. Drop down to where it says podcast. Click on that. Look for feedback. And there you go. Correct. So, yeah, that's great news, and thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. That's one of the many things that Sean is doing uh, as we move forward with feedback. We did uh, podcasts a while ago, and uh, then uh, we had to stop for reasons I'm not going to get into on the air here, but but they were popular. I mean, I had a lot of people email me, say, hey, when are you going to start up the podcast again? Podcast is a great form of content yeah. for a show, especially for a show like this. So yeah. we're happy to get that uh, rolling here. In fact, uh, the first time we had a podcast going uh, for feedback, we had at least one listener over in England. Oh, wow. Who would listen on a regular basis. Yeah, I'm excited to see our statistics uh, as we continue to uh, get that rolling out, see our downloads, see where people are listening from. That's what I'm most excited for just because it's cool to see where oh, people is. are tuning in yeah it really is so uh so stay tuned for that uh it uh, as sean said we started doing it yesterday or he started doing it yesterday and uh we're gonna do it now going forward yeah and i'm gonna try to uh get those out as soon as possible after the show and so uh for example like today i'm gonna try to get that out as soon as possible um so usually when uh the day an episode premieres is the day of 
this show happening. If okay. That makes sense. Yeah, so it does I'm going to try sense. to try to upload them the same day. Okay, cool. And uh, speaking of uh, things that are going on, let me share with you what's going on tomorrow. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I had asked Sean when uh, when he joined me on this show, given his age, I said, you know, we've got to do a segment on young people and issues that are of importance to them. And we agreed that it's going to be a, week a weekly segment that will appear on the Friday show. So tomorrow, uh, we're jam-packed tomorrow, so we're going to do it during the 9 o'clock hour. Yep. Okay? Yep. So uh, that'll be Sean's segment, and, of course, he'll welcome any questions, any calls from uh, the listeners on, on any of the topics that he addresses, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, that's, hey, that's, like you said, it's the town hall. Right that's here. right. That's right. So, town square. So that's a town, you're right there. And that's going to be your segment. I'm going to stay out of it and, and let you go with that. So that'll be a weekly segment uh, where we take a look at what young people are thinking about uh, what's important in the news today and, and what their opinions are on that. And then during the 10 o'clock hour, Ari Middleman, uh, who is with the, a, a group called Keep Our Republic. They're a bipartisan group uh, whose purpose is to keep integrity in our elections. He'll be with me uh, during the 10 o'clock hour, and uh, he, too, will be taking your questions. So we got a lot uh, going on. And, of course, uh, tomorrow during the 11 o'clock hour, it will be the uh, monthly edition of Tooth Talk uh, with Dr. Eric Angstadt. So uh, we'll be talking about dental health during the 11 o'clock hour. So like I said, tomorrow is a jam-packed day here on Feedback. All right, let's take a look at today's top three topics. Governor Shapiro lays out more details about his plans for higher education in Pennsylvania. Speaking of which, is a college degree worth it today? A new report out cast doubt on that. We'll get into that in greater detail. And the White House responds to a rash of violent crimes being committed by illegal migrants from Venezuela. You might recall yesterday we gave you a lengthy list of uh, crimes that have been occur that uh, horrific crimes that have occurred in uh, multiple areas across the country involving uh, illegal migrants from Venezuela who are the suspects in those cases. So we'll talk about that at greater length today, uh, find out what the White House thinks about, about that. And, oh, yes, there is yet another crime involving a Venezuelan who's an illegal immigrant in this country. All right, with that, let's talk about uh, Governor Shapiro. I got this from TribLive.com, and we have sound to share with you here. Uh, the uh, governor says a combined system of 15 community colleges and 10 state universities would treat both tiers as equals, and they would equitably split a 15% funding increase in the governor's proposed state budget. He said that uh, on Tuesday of this week. And uh, like I said, I've got some sound here of the governor speaking about uh, uh, further about his proposal for higher education. Here's what he had to say. Under my plan, no student or family making the median income or below will have to pay more than a thousand bucks per semester for tuition and fees in our new system. And that's uh, Governor Shapiro. He says community colleges would not be merged into or taken over by the state system of higher education and its 10-member universities. Uh, this according to an 11-page plan dubbed a Blueprint for Higher Education. Rather, it says the intent is to create an entirely new public post-secondary system with a new governance structure. 
It goes on to say, this uh, statement, this uh, blueprint, each institution plays an important role in serving the needs of our diverse student population and the state's economy. Thousands of employees at those two- and four-year institutions are union members, and their representation status would not change according to the governor's plan. The plan goes on to say existing union contracts will be honored as the Shapiro administration meets with higher education leaders, union leaders, and legislators to discuss the longer-term implications of the new system to ensure that the needs of our unions are met. Centralized control versus local campus autonomy has historically been a thorny issue within Pennsylvania's public campus system. This blueprint does not call for total elimination of campus boards of trustees. Instead, Shapiro said this week, the intent is to retain an element of local government governance with ongoing meetings among campus leaders and other stakeholders to bring what that will look like into sharper focus. In his speech, the governor acknowledged recent skepticism among Republican state lawmakers and even some in his own party that there were not enough specifics about how the sweeping plan would be accomplished this year and at what taxpayer cost. There's an important issue that uh, is of interest to me. The governor says, I understand that sometimes some lawmakers are afraid of big, bold things, but now is the time for action. He went on to say lawmakers will want to do some analysis on my plan as they rightfully should. But, he says, analysis should not be used as an excuse for paralysis. Shapiro says Pennsylvania is sitting on a $14 billion surplus that would more than support his higher education proposals, which also include a $1,000 boost in PHEAA grants and a new system that ties public campus subsidies to meeting Pennsylvania's education and workforce goals. In fact, he asserted that the surplus could fund every idea in his proposed fiscal 2024-2025 budget and, quote, we would still have an $11 billion surplus and we would cut taxes, not raise them. I'll believe that when I see it. As for a timetable, the governor repeated that his goal is to, secure, is to secure state legislative approval for the new system in this year's state budget cycle, then use 2024-2025 to transition as his administration and the campuses hammer out additional details and refine how the overall system will operate. Shapiro says Pennsylvania has failed to pay the bill for students' futures and for the state's economic well-being, by subsidizing higher education at a rate 49th among the 50 states. All right, so I'd love to get your take on this. Uh, a number Again, our numbers are 610-374-8800, or if you're calling from out of the area, it's 888-401-0459. Now, with that said, with what the governor wants to do for higher education and funding it here in the state, I saw in the Washington Times a report that finds that more than half of recent college grads are working in fast food, retail, and other underemployed jobs. And here's what the Washington Times reports. Americans have long viewed a four-year college degree as essential to financial success. But a report finds that most graduates can't seem to find a job requiring a degree within a year of commencement. The nonprofit Strata Institute for the Future of Work and the Burning Glass Institute reported this month 
that 52% of graduates were underemployed in food service, hospitality, retail sales, office administration, and other fields a year after earning a bachelor's degree. The study analyzed federal statistics, job postings, and online resumes of more than 60 million U.S. workers. Ten years after graduation, 45% still didn't hold a job requiring college-level skills. By contrast, 79% of graduates who started their careers with college-level jobs still had such work five years later. Liberal arts and humanities majors struggled the most. But the report found that biology, physics, psychology, and communications majors also failed to secure related positions. The Indianapolis-based Strata Education Foundation said the findings show that a college degree is not always a guarantee of labor market success. Now, mind you, this report comes out just as the governor is saying we need to spend more money uh, on higher education and restructure the uh, state-run universities and all of the community campuses. Well, according to this report, again from the Washington Times, several economists, workforce analysts, and higher education leaders interviewed by the Times agreed They said the numbers underlined a growing disconnect between what colleges teach and what employers need in a tight labor market. Here's one person who's quoted. It's R. Scott Critchlow, who is a political scientist and faculty senator at West Virginia University, which recently gutted its humanities programs. Here's what he's quoted as saying. We should have stopped saying STEM years ago because it inappropriately conflates quite different fields. While a college degree will substantially increase your income, he says, some fields are wiser choices than others. And let me deviate for just a moment. I got When, when I was a high school student, uh, I participated in a program at a uh, news station in Philadelphia. Uh, they called it News Studies, and it was aimed at uh, high school seniors to teach them the basics of journalism. And I got the opportunity to meet the news director then. Fred Walters was his name, a great guy. And I asked him while I had the opportunity, I said, what do you recommend I major in in college? Now, mind you, this was back in 1970. I'm not going to say uh, <laughs> 1973 was the year. Uh, so we're looking way, 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 way back. I said, what, what do you recommend? What should I major in college in order to get a job in in broadcasting as a journalist. And he said to me, going to uh, majoring in communications or journalism is like a doctor who spends eight years in medical college, learning all there is to know about medicine, but nothing else. He said, it would be a waste of your time. This is a news director of a of a news station in Philadelphia saying this to me. He says, don't major in communications. Don't major in broadcast journalism. He said, major in something that's going to help you, not only in your field of journalism, but if things don't work out, which in this business is highly likely, it gives you a safety net to, to uh, land some other job somewhere else. He recommended a broad-based liberal education. Because journalists are not uh, do, do not uh, 
go into specific fields of reporting, they're called upon to report on a wide number of stories. So they've got to have some knowledge of, of everything they report on. Yeah, that, that's so, that's interesting. Um, I, I, so I, in high school, I didn't have any uh, any journalism experience, but I knew that's what I wanted to study. I went to West Virginia. So my freshman year at West Virginia, that's where I got my first opportunity uh to learn the field i mm-hmm. was a sports reporter for the daily athenaeum our student newspaper there and then my last year at school um i was part of the student radio there u92 the moose okay and it was interesting what was it called u92 the moose that's what it was <laughs> uh, love that statement. i love it i love it um but over my uh career there as a student um my idea of what it's like to be a journalist, uh, a journalism major, changed from what I thought it, what it was going going to be uh, as a freshman. Mm-hmm. I I had my mind set up that I wanted to, you know, be in broadcasting, but what I thought West Virginia and specifically the Reed College of Media at West Virginia did really well was preparing these students, saying, "Hey." This field is evolving so fast. You have to know how to, if you want to be a journalist, you have to know how to write. You have to know how to record a podcast. You have to mm-hmm. know how to be on camera. You have to know to do all these sort of things. You have to know how to take pictures, mm-hmm. all of these sort of things. So um, I think if you graduate as a, journal- as a journalism major, yeah. I think you'll be prepared for that because if you – study that you're going to learn all these different things so i think um i think nowadays if you were to have this conversation with who you were having a conversation back when you were a senior in high school right and they had the information now i think they would change their mind but let me ask you let me ask you um because the the whole point that fred walters was was uh, indicating he says this is such a fickle industry that one is true one minute you've got a job the next minute you're out on your keister looking for a job and nobody else in broadcasting is going to hire you. Now you've got all this knowledge. Uh, what other job would you qualify for? That is fair, but I think uh, specifically in broadcasting, yeah, you might not find that job. But with the skills you have to learn, mm-hmm. you could get a job writing somewhere. You could get a job to put your other skills to use and then eventually – parlay that into something else so i think the abundance of skills that you're required to learn i think that'll help you immensely in you know this industry which again to your point which i'm i'm very new into it so i understand sure, it definitely sure. is fickle but um no one thing i will agree with you well, that's different in in your era as opposed to mine I didn't have, uh, uh, when I was in college, there was no such thing as podcasts, no such thing as the internet. Uh, it was still, I mean, yeah, it was available, but only for the government yeah. back then. It wasn't of commercial use. Uh, so you didn't have other areas that you could branch out to if no radio station or TV station wanted to hire you. We also didn't have uh, uh, commercially available TV cameras back then. Uh, that uh, or uh, or the the things that we've got in our studio here yeah. uh, to do video podcasting while we're doing the radio show, uh, so you do have that available now. Um, but the thing that Fred Walters was suggesting to me not only uh, use a more liberal arts type of education to get a broader sense of things out there, 
uh, but to also maybe focus on economics and political science, because those are the two main areas that you're going to find yourself covering as, as a journalist. And that's what I did. I focused on those two areas, and I took his advice to minor in communications and broad, and broadcasting and journalism, Took as, loaded up on as many uh, courses as I could, elective courses in yeah. those fields as I could, and, uh, and it really has helped me. But you know what the most important—and I, I, I'm going to deviate for a little bit here. We're running out of time. But if there is one course in my entire school years that I still use to this day, it is my typing class that I took in high school. Really? I'm still using those skills. Of course, yeah, I'm no longer using a typewriter, thank goodness. But I'm still using those skills when I'm sitting down at a computer. And uh, that has been one of the best courses <laughs> that I've ever taken because it has been so helpful to me throughout the years, besides the course that I took at this radio station yeah. I'm talking about, because uh, that was a six-week course, the uh, course of the radio station. And I'm and to this very day, I'm still using uh, the skills and the knowledge that I learned in that class. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, to dovetail again off of this report, back to this report that uh, the Washington Times uh, is uh, saying, they're saying that companies have eliminated college requirements for many technology, service, and office jobs as they compete for a shrinking pool of workers. Federal data shows that the number of jobs available nationwide exceeds the number of unemployed adults by nearly 3 million, making it harder for employers to find workers for positions that traditionally require four-year degrees. In an annual survey of more than 4,000 software, finance, retail, and other hiring managers that HireVue published last March, 16% said they had dropped all college requirements. Another 48% reported adopting a skills-first approach to hiring. Then there's a survey of 800 companies that Intelligent.com released in November, which found that 45% intended to eliminate four-year degree requirements for some positions this year. Also last November, Public Square and Idaho-based workforce recruiter Red Balloon reported that 67% of a little over 900 small business owners they surveyed said four-year college graduates lacked relevant skills that today's business community needs. Now, that, uh, that doesn't bode well for our colleges today. Uh, Red Balloon CEO is Andrew Kapuchich, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing his right name, Kapuchets, and he says a lot of students are wasting tens of thousands of dollars and years of their lives on meaningless college degrees. The Strata Institute report showed that recent graduates with college-level jobs earned average salaries of $60,000 a year. The average high school graduate earned $32,000 a year. The average college dropout, $35,000 a year. And the average underemployed four-year college graduate, $40,000 a year. The Department of Education's federal student aid reported that the average college graduate owed over $37,000 in federal student loans at the end of 2023. That's more than double the $18,233 the average graduate owed back in 2007. 
the Strata Burning Glass report found that many recent grads took lower-paying jobs as fast food workers, telemarketers, tour guides, and office administrators. Others drew higher wages as managers in those industries without needing their four-year degrees. So what do you think? Again, um, um, should we be spending more money, as the governor is uh, requesting, on higher education at this point, given reports like this that just came out this week that show that the they're no longer relevant? Four-year degrees tend to be no longer relevant. Now, of course, that could be a trend that changes tomorrow. And then we're right back to saying that four-year college degrees are required. Uh, so, again, you talk about things that are fickle. Yeah, uh, the, the trends can change overnight, can't they? Yeah, it really depends on <laughs> a lot of uh, outside noise, I guess. It's, yeah, it's right. Really, it really is uh, crazy because, I mean, just – Five years ago, I was going starting my freshman year at college, and now it's, you know, part of that probably is everything that happened in 2020 with the pandemic and everything. But a lot of those ideas that I was brought up learning in high school about you need to go to college, you need to go to college, mm -hmm, right? It's pretty different now. I feel like, and that's just in a span of five years. So well, I'm let me ask you. I, I mean, you're 23, right? Correct. How do you feel hearing the results of this report? Does, does that uh, concern you that you just graduated from college and, and, and now this, or, or, or does that not uh, phase you at all? Uh, it doesn't really concern me, kind of. If anything, it bums me out, like, oh, geez, <laughs> my college loans, are, <laughs> this is what I have to spend, yeah. this is all the report. Um, but no, I think, I think for people, I think college isn't always a realistic uh, path just you know with various factors money certainly being one of them um so i think it's inspiring for some people that you know can't afford or want to go in another option that hey there's actually a chance of something in my future and it doesn't require a college degree like i i wish if anything i i love uh, my high school experience and everything but one thing i do wish that they would uh preach on kids or at least give the kids an option was talk about trade schools and all of that when i went to high school it was all it was college 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 there was mm -hmm. never any mention of maybe pivoting to trade school if you want to work more blue collar I, I i think that's also something that people should be that should be encouraged and not talked down upon i agree i agree i right, love to get the uh, listeners take on this 610-374-8800 Toll-free, 888-401-0459. You're listening to Feedback. You're on air, Town Square, here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond, 830 WEEU. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a bit. Talk 830, WEEU. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Berks and Beyond.
Welcome back to Feedback here on Air Town Square, here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond, 830 WEEU. Our numbers again are 610-374-8800 or toll free, 888-401-0459. Yeah, I heard this song from Rihanna this morning driving into work. I said, I got to use that as a bumper. That's yeah, a great song choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's get you, get you going on this nice. I knew uh, you'd like that. Yeah. I, I knew you. And he's, you know, looking over here saying, hey, the old man is finally playing music that's for my generation. All, all of your music <laughs> you've played this week I've enjoyed. <laughs> all right, I'll pay you for saying that, okay? <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Let's uh, go to the emails here. Uh, Bob in uh, Lansdale heard our conversation about uh, college education, and and here's what he writes. Term papers, job applications, all sorts of stuff, long before computers, still have a typewriter uh, for things not suitable for computer. He said, uh, your career advice from the newsman is what the standard mantra was for all industry in my generation. Get a good liberal education about many facets of the world, unless you're going into something highly technical like aeronautical engineering or such. Bob, thank you. Uh, and he says, uh, I didn't read the, uh, uh, the header to his uh, email because my, uh, my screen was not uh, scrolled all the way up. But he said, I took typing in lieu of, trigonomic, uh, in, in, uh, lieu of trigonometry. Excellent move, he said, and how he used it for term papers and the such. So, Bob, thank you for your email. Appreciate that. And I agree wholeheartedly with you. Uh, I am so thankful that I took that typewriting class. I can't remember what the, the other choice I had at the time when I was in high school, uh, but, boy, that was one of the few decisions I ever made in my life that I, was, that I was proud of, to be honest with you. Just kidding, of course. All right, uh, yesterday, uh, Mr. Biden had his annual physical, and according to Axios, it shows no new concerns. What does that mean? Well, let me, let me share the piece with you. President Biden continues to be fit for duty, says White House physician Kevin O'Connor. He wrote that in a memo released after the president underwent his annual physical exam yesterday. The assessment comes as Biden has faced escalating attacks and increased scrutiny over his age and mental fitness. A recent poll, according to Axios, found that 67% of voters think the president is too old to serve another four years in the White House. In that memo, Dr. O'Connor said Biden fully executes all of his responsibilities without any exemptions or accommodations following his annual physical examination, which took place, by the way, at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. O'Connor described Biden as, quote, a healthy, active, robust 81-year-old male. O'Connor said Biden's medical considerations include obstructive sleep apnea and AFib, with normal ventricular response. Other conditions listed on the report for Biden include chronic acid reflux, known as gastroesophageal reflux, which is something I have, so I fully understand there, seasonal allergies, spinal arthritis, and hyperlipidemia, a condition with an elevated amount of lipids in the blood. Biden takes three common prescription medications and three common over-the-counter medications, and his medical conditions remain stable and well-controlled, according to Dr. O'Connor. A special counsel report released earlier this month described the president as an elderly man with a poor memory. Remember that? The Her report? Biden fired back at that accusation, saying, quote, I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> 
his words, not mine. O'Connor determined that Biden was fit for duty after his last physical exam back in February of 2023. The White House physician noted that Biden was a healthy, vigorous 80-year-old male at the time who fully executes all of his responsibilities without any exemptions or accommodations. The White House confirmed last June that Biden uses a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea. So there you have it. According to his latest uh, physical, his doctor says that he's fit to uh, serve as president of the United States. What are your thoughts on that? I'd love to hear from you as our show continues today. 610-374-8800 or toll free. That's if you're calling from out of the area. 888-401-0459. We're going to take another break so I get caught up on our commercials here. We'll be back with more of your on-air town square known as feedback in just a bit. Serving Collegeville, North Wales, King of Prussia, and all of Montgomery County. This is News Talk 830 WEEU. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Berks and Beyond. All right, Sean, it's only fair, as far as these music bumpers are concerned, that I play one from your generation <laughs> and now one from my generation. <laughs> like I said last time, I've enjoyed every music you bring us back to. <laughs> oh, disco music, does it ever die? I don't know. It just keeps coming back. Sorry, folks, but sometimes I'm reminiscent and I just have to do it. 610 <laughs> 374 Toll-free, 888 A couple of topics that are on the table here if you want to weigh in at any time today. First of all, Governor Shapiro and uh, his proposal for higher education. I'd love to get your take on that. And the report that's out that says, you know what? Higher education really isn't a requirement anymore. More and more employers are saying, the heck with it. We don't need to hire people that have a four-year degree. And that report also says that uh, a lot of people who have a four-year degree are now working in jobs that uh, don't even have anything to do with what they studied while they were in college. And that they're so-called underemployed because the uh, jobs they have are not bringing in the kind of money that they thought they'd get with a college degree and uh, certainly don't require the, uh, the knowledge that they acquired while in college. So I'd love to hear from you on that. And we also talked about the president's physical from yesterday. And uh, the result, it comes as no surprise to me that the president's doctor would say he's fit to be president. Do you really think that a doctor, I don't care whether it's it's Biden or, or Trump or whoever is in the White House, do you really think the president's doctor is going to say, you know what, this guy isn't fit to be president? Really, do you think Dr. McConnell would have said that, or uh, Dr. O'Connor would have said that? All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, well, before we do, um, the uh, I do want to share this with you. Did you hear that Mitch McConnell says he's going to call it quits? Yes, according to the Washington Examiner, he's decided he's going to step down, what, in, in uh, November. So he's going to stay around a little bit longer. He's the longest-serving Senate leader of all time. 
and he made this announcement yesterday. He said this Congress would be his last as head of the GOP conference. The news sparked renewed interest in his potential successors, of which there are currently three leading candidates, and here they are. (laughs) And they all have the first name of John. Senate Minority Whip John Thune. He's a Republican from South Dakota. Senate Republican Conference Chairman John Barrasso, a Republican from Wyoming, who, by the way, grew up here in this neck of the woods, in Berks County, in Redding. And Senator John Cornyn, a Republican from Texas. According to the Examiner, the trio of possible Republican leaders described around Washington as the three Johns, due to their shared moniker, are all members of McConnell's leadership team. Now, for those of you who are staunch Republicans, what do you feel about that? You know, here you've got an opportunity where you're finally going to be getting rid of McConnell. And I know McConnell is not well-liked by a lot of Republicans because he's, he's too moderate for them. I personally don't have a problem with that because I'm moderate. Uh, but I do know that there are a lot of Republicans who are more conservative than me uh, who don't like Mitch McConnell. And uh, they'd like to see somebody in that vein uh, who's more in line with their way of thinking to become the next minority leader. Or if the Republicans, by chance, take uh, control of the Senate next year, which right now it doesn't look likely, but uh, you never know, um, that uh, it would be the next majority leader for this Senate. So I'd love to get your take on this. Should it be somebody who has... uh, been following rather closely along with McConnell's way of thinking, or should it be somebody else? Uh, I'm thinking like Ted Cruz, for instance. Uh, His name comes to mind. Uh, Well, anyway, the trio of possible Republican leaders um, have not really said that they're interested in the job, but there's a lot of maneuvering going on behind the scenes about this. Senator Rick Scott, uh, a Republican from Florida, who mounted a challenge to McConnell's leadership last year, you might recall. He hasn't said if he plans to launch a bid to be the top Republican leader, but he said McConnell's decision is, quote, an opportunity to refocus efforts as a party to solving the significant challenges facing our country and actually reflect the aspirations of voters. And this piece in the Washington Examiner goes on to say, and while none of the Johns have announced their intentions to seek McConnell's role, Jockeying for the top job has already begun behind the scenes. So there's something else that's on the table for us to talk about. What are your thoughts of McConnell stepping down? Uh, Is it uh, news that's uh, too late in the making? Should he have done it a while ago? And uh, given the fact that uh, he's going to leave in November, should he leave now? Or what else do you want to talk about as far as McConnell's decision is concerned? I'd love to hear from you. We're going to take a break, but we'll be back with more of the Thursday edition of Feedback in just a bit. Serving Bethel, Hamburg, Birdsboro, and all of Berks County, this is News Talk 830 WEEU. And that wraps up hour number one of feedback. We're going to be back with hour number two. I've already got a couple of people lined up who want to talk about some of the things we addressed. Folks, hang in there. I will take your calls first thing after the news break. Speaking of which, I I want to do a poll here. uh, Because right now, uh, we limit you to three calls a week. 
uh, here on feedback so that we get uh, uh, have enough time to get other callers calling in. But would you like us to increase that uh, to maybe four calls a week? Uh, if so, uh, give Sean a call uh, at our number, 610-374-8800, or toll-free, 888 or drop me an email at feedback at 830weeu.com and let me know what you think. Should we increase the number of calls per caller to four per week? Again, no more than five minutes per call, obviously. But right now the policy is three calls per week. And then if we have a special guest on, uh, then of course you're allowed to, to, if you've already called in three times, you are allowed to call in a fourth time if you have a question for the guest. That's the way it currently works. All right, we're going to wrap up hour number one. We'll be back with hour number two of feedback in just a bit. Stay with us. Welcome back as we kick off hour number two of your on-air town square known as feedback here on The Voice of Berks and Beyond, 830 WEEU. I'm Bill Saunders along with Sean Tansky, my producer today, and the guy who's grabbing all the sound for us to use and is going to be premiering his first segment tomorrow uh, on uh, what uh, young people consider to be major topics of the day. Uh, stay tuned for that. That'll be during the 9 o'clock hour, right? Yep. Tomorrow morning? Yep. Okay. Bright, uh, first segment, bright and early. There you go. Uh, and we're already fielding some phone calls, and I've gotten some emails over here uh, of people who have responded so far with the number of calls that we should take a week, and we'll get into awesome. that in yeah, just we'll a keep, little we'll bit. We'll keep the tally and all of that. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll compile all the data. There you go. <laughs> Are you still down to just the one call? Oh, uh, we got one more. Oh, we, we got, got one another, more. Yeah, so we got two so far. Okay, so I'll, I'll find out from you where they stand on that, and I'll share with you of the emails as well. Sounds good. All right, our phone number is here is 610-374-8800, toll-free, 888 what Sean and I were just alluding to, if you weren't with us in the first hour. I'm asking for your opinion on whether we should keep the current policy in force uh, where each caller is or each listener is limited to three calls a week, again, unless we have a special guest and, and uh, you've already reached your three-call limit, uh, we do allow a fourth call in that case if you have a question for our special guest. Uh, but should we increase that uh, to four calls a week? Uh, let us know either by phone, talking with Sean, letting him know your, your opinion on that, or emailing us at uh, feedback at 830weeu.com. We'd love to hear from you uh, and uh, because I, I want to do what you folks want us to do. Uh, so let us know, okay? With that said, let's go to the phones. A lot of people are on hold here waiting to get on, and I appreciate all of them for their patience. Let's start with Julie in Reamstown. Julie, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Fine. The sun is shining. I appreciate that. You and I both. Yes. Question. Okay, I'm older than you are. Okay. Is that a question? No, no. <laughs> no, I know I am. Uh, back when, like, I went to college from... 1960 to 66, and the the first four years, it was a combination of a local bank loan, and, um, you know, my parents took it on the time plan, um, but it, it wasn't 
the, the government wasn't involved at all. And then the next two years, uh, I got a grant, so I didn't have to pay for the education. I just had, you know, all my living expenses. Mm-hmm. But I don't... When did this student loan thing come into... Um, well, I also had loaned some money from my college to the first four years. But when did this student loan thing start that they could rack up that amount of debt... Uh, well, there, there, well, there are two answers to give you to your question, Julie. First, uh, uh, way back when, in 1958, the federal student loans were first offered under the National Defense Education Act, but the student loans as they, uh, as they exist in the form that they're in now uh, went into existence with the passage of the Higher Education Act back in 1965. Oh, okay, because, you know, I I had a loan I could manage. I mean, it almost sounds like they don't have any money to put toward college. Um, Because, I I mean, I paid off my my loans, what have you, as soon as I started earning money. But it wasn't anything like they're saying $50,000. And, I mean, it seems like... If you have to loan that much, maybe you should work first. Well, I, again, I don't know. It just seems like the. Well, again, tuition is a lot higher today than when you and I were in college. Uh, and th- that's part of it. Uh, and, of course, you've got uh, higher interest rates now. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't know what the interest rates were back in the 1960s or when I was in college uh, in the 1970s. Uh, but but uh, I'm sure they were a lot lower back then than they are today. So, so there are a couple of factors uh, that, uh, that m- make it uh, such where they're more expensive today than they were before. Well, you know, one thing is I, I don't think it's fair that um, taxpayers should be paying, you know, that those loans should be forgiven because um, people are paying for their education that couldn't go themselves uh, because it just, you know, just couldn't, wanted to. Uh, and, and it's, I don't know, I'm having trouble finding the words. Um, well, I'll put it to you this way. I'm, I'm in favor of what uh, uh, our society's promise has been to the young people all along, and that is we'll pay for your education from kindergarten through 12th grade. If you want to go on and get higher education, then that falls on you. That responsibility rests with you. Uh, and uh, especially if you want to go on and, uh, and further your education with a master's degree or a doctorate. Uh, you're right. I agree with you, Julie. There's no reason why taxpayers should be expected to uh, foot the bill or serve as a uh, safety net for people who have taken on so much student debt because they've gone on to get higher education and therefore can't find a job in the field that they've studied, and now they want help paying off uh, their their massive uh, loan debt. Oh, you said that so well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, because, like, my parents made a lot of sacrifices because my sister and I overlapped in college, so that was really a good year. Uh 
all the sacrifices we made, all the stuff we didn't buy so that we could go to school, you know, it's like even even if you have a degree, you probably had to sacri- make sacrifices to pay for it. Absolutely, sure. All right, I got. I've got to go on to other calls, but yeah, you okay. made a very good point there, and I'm in full agreement with you. We, we have, uh, those of us who are taxpayers, should not be responsible for paying the uh, debt of someone uh, who has outstanding student loans. But uh, yeah. to say that, okay. to the, tell that to the president. Thank you for the information. I didn't realize that they were in effect that long ago. Yeah, it, uh, I, I learned something here too. I was googling it uh, before I took your call today. Well, thank you for calling. Appreciate it. Okay. Well, thank you for your show. You're welcome, Julie. Take care now. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go to Douglasville. Bob also has been waiting a long time to get on. He wants to talk about Mitch McConnell. Bob, thank you for your patience. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, what I wanted to say about Mitch is he's in the Senate where you need 60 votes. So he's going to have to be more moderate. Almost any leader of the party has to be more moderate when they're in the Senate. The Senate is designed by our founders, who were the greatest men who maybe ever lived. Uh, But it, it was set up to be a more moderate body. And... Mitch McConnell, no matter how you look at this issue, has to be given credit for holding a Supreme Court nomination of Merrick Garland almost a whole year, waiting for, hopefully, for a Republican president. Uh... Not too many other people would have had the courage to do that. And I think he was even up for election the year he did it. I'm not sure about that. And Merrick Garland certainly has shown his true colors now. And I think an awful lot of us can be very happy that he's not on the Supreme Court. Well, let me ask you this, and and you won't get any argument out of me as far as a moderate being in that position, uh, because I happen to be a moderate. Uh, but what if uh, what if Ted Cruz gets the job? Well, I like Ted Cruz, and I like his, you know, but he's going to have to work with people. You know, you got to work with fifty nine other senators to get anything passed in the United States Senate. Uh, That's just the cold, hard facts of the matter. And uh, if you're very liberal or very conservative and you're going to insist upon that in any legislation, you're not going to get much passed. I agree. I agree with you. I I agree wholeheartedly with you. Bob, thank you. I think no matter how you look at it, You know, there was a time in the world when the liberals just loved Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself said that Roe versus Wade was a faulty decision. And 
our Supreme Court change that and send it back to what really is the law to the states. And uh, I don't think this would have happened had Mitch McConnell not had enough courage to hold that nomination for a whole year. And I think we owe him a huge debt of gratitude for that. Really, no matter how you feel about the abortion issue, and it's a big issue and it's a almost insurmountable, no compromise issue. I rate it right up there with slavery. There's not a lot of room for compromise, depending on how you feel on that issue. But the states is the place that it should be determined at. It's actually the easiest place for it to be determined at. Uh, and Mitch McConnell did that. And I, I have eternal gratitude for Mitch McConnell. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, did Mitch McConnell, or has Mitch McConnell, held on to that position too long? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, if, if, he, if he has, we have the same issue with our presidential candidates. Well, good point there. <laughs> Again, you won't get any argument from me. <laughs> Bob, thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you today. Okay. Thank bye you bye. for taking the time to call in. You enjoy your day now. All right, let's bye. go. Bye-bye now. And here's another person who's been on hold a long time, and I thank you for that, John in Fleetwood. Welcome to the show, John. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I had one item, but I have a second one. I'll save that in case I have enough time. I am... Um, do the family's taxes. I've been I've trained on it, not college and stuff. I did H&R Blocks class and ASTAT. And I ran into a situation I haven't had before, and I'm looking for help to find an answer. I have a brother-in-law who was given a $10 lottery ticket. He doesn't buy lottery tickets. He doesn't agree with it, but it was given as a gift. And of course, in most cases, he won $1,000. I'm trying to figure out how many different forms the state requires to claim this $1,000 so he doesn't get in trouble? There's like four different forms they want me to do. And I've called every time I've gone on the computer to look for help, they always want money to answer a question. Is there a local place, and we're both senior citizens, that I can call and ask a question about how to handle this lottery issue? Wow. Um, off the top of my head, I don't have an answer for you. I would give me a chance to Google that for you. Uh, and maybe somebody who's listening might, might uh, know better than I right off the top as to where you can turn, but, but you're saying, but you're saying that, uh, anytime you have a question to the state regarding state taxes, you're charged for that. Did I hear you right? No, no, no. When you call, when you use one of these internets that say, Free tax advice. Oh, the internet so, sites. Oh, I got gotcha. you. So then you get on that, and they say, what's your question? Anything else I need to know before I forward you? And then they come back and say, okay, I'm going to forward you. There's a $5 charge to sign in and talk to this person. It's like, wait a minute. It says free information. Um, Have you called the state it, revenue department? I called the state revenue department, and she told me that on this this form that do with partnerships, LLCs, and all this and that stuff is on 
is where the lottery thing is. And when you do the lottery, even if you're just claiming a winning, they want documentation when you bought the ticket, how much you spent, how much you won. They want a letter that you have to keep to protect you if they come back and ask you how you won that $1,000. And then you have to do three other forms before you can put it on the 1040. And I just think this is totally and completely ridiculous for somebody who freakishly, through a gift, earned $1,000 and is trying to be honest on their taxes. Wow. The federal government doesn't even ask for that kind of paperwork. How about that? I never unless, knew this. I, I'm learning unless, something unless, here. Well, now, if you're going to – I'll throw it out there quick for anybody listening. If you play the lottery and you win – substantial amount of money or where you're, they have a record of what you did. Like when you get a thousand, you got to do paperwork and all this and that. So boom, they got you. Um, he never got a WG two, which is what you're supposed to get over $600. But there is a record of this. You have, if you really want to try to do offset, if you're a regular lottery player in Pennsylvania, you have to document in the course of the year you're involved in every time you play where you bought the ticket, the store's number, how much you spend on that day, which ticket won for how much. It is a nightmare for this kind of stuff. But if that's what you do for a living, you should have all that under control. This is a one-time thing. And I've got to do four different forms for a lucky $1,000 winning ticket once. See, here's the thing, John. And, and, of course, I'm not a tax expert, so take my words with a grain of salt here. But what you're telling me, he didn't buy the lottery ticket. It was a gift. So my first thought would be, then shouldn't it be taxed as a gift and not as a lottery winning? Not from what I'm reading or going through the forms. And when I called the uh, I called the state, the Reading office of the state PA tax office, and the lady I talked to said, you need to do this form, which will take you to this form, which will take you to this form, oh, which word. will take you to the 1040. Wow. I said, we realize this main form is three pages. There's one line that says gambling and lottery winnings. Oh, and then when no. you read the details, the instruction sheet on line eight, that's where it comes up with all this other stuff. And it's like, you have got to be kidding me. And three so, sets and, of forms. And so, the, and so the lottery office does not send out any tax forms that, uh, that indicate what the winnings were. They're supposed to, according to what I've researched, if once you make more than $600 and you have to make a claim, mm -hmm. you're supposed to get a WG-2, which, okay, maybe he did get it because he's not a lottery player. He thought, what the heck is this? And threw oh, it away. Okay. Or maybe or uh, maybe the original uh, purchaser of the ticket got it. No. Um, he signed the ticket and got, did. he went to the place where the ticket had been bought. He was told where the ticket was bought. Oh, okay. okay. He took it back to that place. And you get this pink form that you fill out. You get your copy showing that the ticket was sent in so you can wait to get your money back. Anything over 500 or 600, you, they, they mail you a check. You can't cash that at a, a sailor, an agency. You have to do that through Harrisburg. So I have the pink paperwork, but I never got, he, to the best of my knowledge, he never got a WG, W2G. Um, but I'd hate to have him down the road. 
because then they'll say, oh, you tried to lie. What are the mistakes you made? You play the lottery all the time. They can accuse you of whatever they want to once they find that you supposedly lied up front. Have you called the lottery? I've tried. I get, all I get is I lottery, and they tell me they can't help me. The regular lottery, because this was an instant ticket, is separate from us. Oh, you need, oh, oh. You need to try to get a hold of them. Gotcha. Well, I haven't had any success with that yet. Gotcha. Well, I've never won over 600 bucks any time I did the lottery. So so I've never gone through this, and, 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 I'm, and I'm totally helpless here in, in trying to give you an answer. But let's see well, if— part- but let's see if a listener has the answer here for you. I'm hoping maybe an accountant, while he's doing real taxes, might say, oh, I've dealt with that before. Let me call up and give an answer where to go with this. All right, um, let, let's see what we've got here, okay? Let's see if someone calls in and, and has an answer for you today. All right. Can I ask another question or not? Yeah, No, go ahead real quick. Okay. What is your opinion when someone offers a courtesy car to take you from one place to another? Do you consider that a free thing? Uh, in relation to a business trip or a pleasure trip, what? Uh, and being relationship to the closest thing I can think of without being too revealing is you're at a facility where you need to go to for some kind of care or whatever. For some kind so of what were, now? You, you were taken somewhere by ambulance. Let's go that way. Okay. Now, you've been released in the middle of the night. There's no one to come and get you. So they're told, you're told, no problem, we have a courtesy car. So that courtesy car takes you home. And the story, at least that's what you think, because in our minds, courtesy means free. Right, that's what I would have thought. Two weeks later, you get a bill for $80. Whoa. $50 for the driver to take you 10 miles or less, and $30 for mileage. Now that that particular question sounds like one that uh, that if it were me, I would call the state attorney general's office, the uh, office of consumer uh, protection, and uh, and ask for their advice on that. Okay, because we did contact the courtesy company, and um, they told us that it was the people who hired their responsibility. But the people who hired them will not return phone calls. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, go the route of the state attorney general's office. See if they can help you. They, uh, and the reason why I'm suggesting them is because the Consumer Protection Bureau in the state of Pennsylvania falls under the uh, attorney general's umbrella. And that's fine. I've dealt with them before in other situations. So I know how that works. That's good. That's a good idea. I didn't even think about that. I didn't think it should go that high, but... Thank you. All right, John. Well, good luck. Uh, hopefully uh, someone listening will have an answer for you on that lottery ticket. And if not, I hope you're able to get an answer uh, before April 15th rolls around. Was it something yeah. that was cashed in and, and the winnings this year or last year? No, no, it was last year. You have to do that in the same year. Oh, okay. So so, so it is by April 15th you need an answer. Okay. Let me throw out another quick warning that people don't realize. You can only claim for losses against your winnings in the same year. I've, we found out a friend's been holding lottery tickets for 10 years, hoping to one day hit it big and cash in. Now, everything has to be in the same calendar year. Oh, they get you, don't they? Yes, they do. <laughs> like I said, it, this, has been a, this has been a crazy mess trying to figure this out. Oh, no. 
Well, good luck, John, and and uh, hopefully somebody listening will have a, a more definitive answer for you, okay? Yep, appreciate it. All right, thanks for calling. I appreciate your, you uh, listening to the show. All right. All right, bye-bye right. now. We're going to take a break. Got to get caught up on the uh, commercials here. A little behind here, but that's okay. I love talking with listeners. 610-374-8800. Toll-free, 401 0459. You're listening to Feedback. You're on air Town Square. And I thank you for that. Stay with us. Serving Paoli, Glenmore, Coatesville, and all of Chester County. This is News Talk 830 WEEU. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU. The voice of Berks and Beyond. Welcome back to Feedback. You're on air Town Square on the voice of Berks and Beyond. News Talk 830 WEEU. Boy, what a conversation we're having going on here today. A lot of topics. Irene and Burnville, hang on there. I'll be with you in just a minute. And I, I, and if I remember correctly, you were the one yesterday that asked about Allentown being a sanctuary city. I have an answer for you, so stay with me on that. But uh, I do want to handle this email real quick here. Georgian Temple was listening to uh, John and Fleetwood's uh, uh, dilemma regarding lottery winners, uh, lottery winnings rather, and how you handle them regarding your tax return. Well, here's what Georgian Temple writes to you, John. He said, I won $6,000 in the lottery. George, are you willing to share some of that with me? (laughs) Just kidding, of course. He said, I just put down on the 1040 on the lottery line the $6,000 figure. When they send you the check for the lottery winnings, he says they deduct the state and federal taxes and give you the 1099 with the check. He says, since you paid in right away, you get to deduct it from the section on your federal and state 1040s deductions credit. Uh, I hope that makes sense. Forgive me, I've never won anything that large in a lottery. I think the most I ever won was $10. Uh, But uh, uh, there you have it. Uh, There's one answer for you, John. And and, uh, George, thank you for sharing that. I do appreciate that. All right. uh, And uh, we still need to talk about how many people have weighed in. On our poll that we're doing now, we invite you to either email us at feedback at 830weeu.com or uh, give Sean a call at 610-374-8800 or toll-free 888 That poll is, should we increase the number of calls uh, allowed per listener per week from the current number of three to four? So let us know, and then uh, in the next hour, we'll we'll go over what we found. Okay, yeah, Sean? So, yeah, so far we have five uh, total calls that have called in. And I've got, uh, let's see, three emails that have come okay. in. All right, so uh, we're rolling right along there. Uh, again, we want to hear from you. This is your show. I don't want to dictate here, so you tell me what you would prefer. What would you like to listen to? Uh, a caller's, uh, a listener's three calls a week or four calls a week, okay? With that said, let's go to the phones. And Irene, good morning. Welcome. I'm glad you called in today. Yeah, and I realized after I hung up and heard the next newscast, it was Lancaster, not 
Allentown. Oh, Lancaster. Okay. Because what I found out for Allentown, they've been a they've had uh, sanctuary city status since at least 1986. I didn't realize that. But you know, I'm not going to say I heard it wrong. Hey, I'm getting old. No, I don't worry about it. No, I've been there, but, done know, that. <laughs> I could have swore when the first newscast I heard said Allentown, and then the second newscast after I called in said Lancaster. All right, so now you're giving me even more homework to do, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. I'm just teasing you. No, that's that's fine. I just wanted to make a comment about the colleges mm-hmm. and his plan. Okay, the governor's what? plan. Yes. I know that, like, RAC has some trade, you know, path that they can take, people can take. But what happens if you want to be a heavy machine operator? Do you have to pay that out of your pocket then? Are those going to be excluded? You know, things that aren't going through a community college or like a trade school. Yeah, I, it, I mean, that's a good point. And, and, uh, and it goes back to the, the point that Sean raised earlier when we were talking uh, of how uh, uh, trade schools seem to get a short shrift uh, yep. in society today, and that's not fair. What well, was even when I was in school? You know, you if you're you got to go to college. You know, you got to go to college. I went to go to Votech. I fought for it. Mm-hmm. They did not want me to go. When you say they didn't want you to go, who who's they? The the, the high school. Really? Counselor. Even they discourage you from doing that, huh? Well, I threatened to quit if they wouldn't let me go. Wow. Because <laughs> at that point, I didn't want anything to do with college. How about that? I, I'm, I'm very, and I'm not disputing you at all, but I am very surprised. Was this a guidance counselor who said that yep. to you? I am very surprised that they gave you that advice. I, I just don't understand that. You know, and they, I was like, and I got after I got out of high school, then it was like I worked for like a year and a half, two years, and then I realized I wanted to go to college. And then, hey, I don't regret the path I made because the Army helped. I was just going to ask you if your education was funded through uh, your, your years of active duty. Yes, because I took courses when I was over in Germany, you know, because you had the GI Bill that, that was available at that point. Right. So I could take some while I was in, you know, still over there. And then when we came back, you know, I changed up my degree. How about that? But you're so but, right. You're so right. Society today uh, does everything possible to degrade. Oh, well, maybe that's not the right word, uh, but to discourage people from uh, from attending trade schools. And trade schools, I mean, my goodness, you come out with an education in a trade, they make good bucks. No doubt it. about it. Because my husband never, well, he took a couple college courses, but he used his GI Bill basically to get a, um, it was sort of like an apprenticeship, but not through like a union or anything. Mm-hmm. But a company agreed to take him on, and, you know, the GI Bill supplemented, what, you know, like his starting salary. Okay. And uh, he ended up, he earned a lot more than I did. Wow. I mean, plumbers. I, plumbers make very good living. I, 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 in the neighborhood I grew up in, one of my neighbors was a plumber, and, uh, and he did very, very well uh, as a plumber. He did not have a college education. So, uh, yeah, I don't understand why society 
uh, doesn't put more emphasis on trade schools like they do uh, uh, for colleges and, and uh, community colleges. And if he wants, if the governor wants to do something like that, they ought to make sure that they have to maintain a minimum grade, mm-hmm. that they can't go out and party mm-hmm. and not care about going to school. Good point there. You're talking about uh, in order to get uh, uh, support, uh, financial support from taxpayers? Otherwise, it falls back on the person. Yeah, good point. And, you know, I could see if, like, ones like nurses or, you know, things, or even like teachers that are really needed to help them to get through. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, it's like you said, a lot of people graduate and they're working fast food. And they probably took courses that they thought were fun, not something that would help them in the future. Yeah, it's really a shame. I, I, I do not envy today's young people. I really don't. It, it, our, uh, our economy just is not uh, friendly uh, to young people who are just starting out today. Uh, Sean, do you have a take on this, buddy, that you want to share? Um, no, I, I, I agree with your point of the economy not being too friendly about uh, student loans. But going back to your point about trade school and how that, again, that still doesn't seem like people view that as a viable option. My late grandfather was a big plumber. He was a big plumber in Collegeville. Before Collegeville got really big, he pretty much everybody knew him in Collegeville. He did all of them, and he made a pretty nice living for him and my grandmother. Um, So, yeah, I think um, it's just hard because people like myself who didn't really feel like they had those options given to them – there's nothing wrong with going to trade school at all, and I feel like that. Sh- I think that should be more encouraged for people. Absolutely, Irene. Thank you. I appreciated the call. And uh, if you can think uh, further about uh, the Lancaster situation and Sanctuary City status, uh, feel free to call us back. I'm going to do some homework tonight and see what I can find on that. Oh, and can I make one more comment? Quick uh, comment. Uh, 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 real quick, because I've got a hard break here to go to. Okay. Um... They said President Biden wasn't going to get a cognitive test. But if you're over 65 and on Medicare, you have to get a cognitive test every year, don't you? Uh, not to my knowledge. Well, I have I have a face and giving you those three words to I, remember. No, I haven't had to uh, take a cognitive test. OK, maybe they're worried about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Tr- I'm not laughing at you on that one. No, but, I'm. I'm laughing at myself. Uh, but uh, but no. To my knowledge, uh, then again, maybe somebody did do a cognitive test, and I don't remember. <laughs> but anyway, all right, Marie, got to go here for a commercial break. Thank you for your call today. Okay. Bye. Uh, bye bye now, Marie and Redding, hang in there. I'll take your call first thing after this break. I promise you. And by the way, uh, you may want to respond. To the caller who questioned your your uh, information that you shared yesterday on the phone call. All right, we'll be back in just a bit. Stay with us. Serving Myerstown, Fredericksburg, Newmanstown, and all of Lebanon County. This is News Talk 830, WEEU. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and Beyond. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Feedback on this Thursday morning here on The Voice of Burks and Beyond, 830 WEEU. Let's quickly go back to the phones because we're running out of time here. Marie in Redding is on the line with us. Marie, uh, before you talk about your thoughts on Biden's physical, uh, did you catch the uh, caller yesterday who questioned uh, a, a, a fact that you shared with us? Oh, I did. Oh, I did. And, and that was that was one reason I was calling. I, I first of all, want to know who pays Matt to do all the fact-checking on all of us callers. Well, let's not but, refer to names of callers, uh, but, well, but either way. Well, um, you, anyway. You, you, emailed uh, me, you emailed me the article that you, that you were referring to, so share that on yes, air now. I did. Yes, I did. Um, the, the Associated Press was slammed by several, several news outlets, and one of them was Fox News, for their attitude in blaming the student for being for doing her exercising by herself that she was out there alone and so that made her culpable for being attacked and that she the Associated Press was slammed big time for that because they never once mentioned about an illegal immigrant violently violently murdering her so that's that's the biggest takeaway on that that if you want to Google something, you just have to Google the right words and you'll come up with it. And I heard it myself firsthand on Fox News on one of these shows. I believe it was outnumbered or um, can't remember which one, Bill, but they mentioned it quite uh, pointedly because it said, I hope the parents of this student didn't hear this because there was nothing that that young girl did wrong. And I understand I'm, I'm getting reports now that she called 911. Yes, she did. Yes, yes. And the poor thing, the poor thing was just victimized by this horrible animal is what I would call him. And the, the way he attacked her, just horrible. I, I can't even imagine what her poor parents are going through. I can't even imagine. I, I, I just can't. It's just beyond me. And then so this this will swivel me over to my topic about Biden, uh, the doctor that released the report that says, oh, he's a fit 81-year-old man. And the, the public is not concerned about the fact that when he walks, it looks like a stiff breeze would knock him over. That's not what the problem is. The problem is his mental acuity and his mental comprehension. And I also just saw on Fox News that Kevin McCarthy has now come out public to say that every time that Biden has meetings in private with small groups of people. He uses note cards. And if you try to deviate from what he has on those note cards, the conversation gets shut down. So in my opinion, this doctor's report does nothing to put the American public at ease for the things they're seeing and hearing when Biden speaks in public. So to say he's a fit 81-year-old man, that's not the biggest concern. Sure, he's 81 years old. I'm 70. You know, it, your physical age is what it is, but it's your mental capacity and your mental condition that is causing all of the uh, comments and commentary about Biden and his abilities. And now for uh, Kevin McCarthy to come out and say, even when he's in private, he uses note cards. He doesn't use a teleprompter. He has everything written down in front of him so he can refer to it. And McCarthy even mentioned when you're negotiating with him, you have to stick directly to the topic at hand because if you deviate off of it, he's lost. 
So that's all I'm going to say. All right. Got to go to a commercial break anyway. Okay, M- Marie, thank all you right. for calling back in today. And, and, uh, Absolutely. and I wanted Absolutely. you to have the opportunity to respond. But uh, keep in mind in the future, when you do share something and state it as fact, uh, give us the, the actual source that you got that from. That, that well, uh, negates. I, I usually do do that. But I, as I recall, we were rushed for time yeah, when that's... I was on. And so, uh, you know, I, I just uh, I find it incredulous that of everything I said, that one thing was fact-checked, quote-unquote. Well, that's so, why uh, that's why I didn't question you, because we did run out of time, because uh, yes, we were we right did. up against a commercial break like we are yes. now. Marie, right. okay, Marie yeah. thank you. you. All right, you take okay. care now. Bye-bye. You we'll too. be back with more Bye. feedback in just a bit. It's a source I can trust. A new generation of talk. News Talk 830 WEEU. Sean, this unofficial poll of ours is becoming a squeaker. We're going to go over that in just a minute. Welcome back. Yeah, it's hour number three of Feedback. You're on Air Town Square on the voice of Burks and Beyond, 830 WEEU. Good morning, everyone. I'm Bill Saunders along with Sean Tansky, and our phone numbers here are 610-374-8800 or toll-free, 888-401-0459. And our email address here is feedback at 830weeu.com. And if you'd like us to read your email on the air, Don't forget to include your first name, the town you live in, and let us know whether or not we have your permission to read it on the air. Yeah, we've been uh, conducting this unofficial poll regarding our our number of uh, phone calls a week policy. Right now it stands at three, and we're asking should we increase it to four calls per week. And uh, just keep in mind that the way the policy is now, even though it is three calls per week, if we have a special guest on, uh, that week, and you've already reached your three call per limit uh, uh, amount, uh, you are allowed to call in when the special guest is on if you have a question for that guest, okay? That's the only exception that we make at this point in time. But so we, so we throw it out to you uh, because this is your show. This is your on-air town square. And uh, we'll keep the, the phone lines and the emails coming. As far as what you think, but right now let's let's get uh, a sense of where we stand. Uh, Sean, you've been fielding the phone calls. What are you finding? Uh, so far, people are more about keeping this uh, three calls a week policy than adding another one. Um, we have, at at least to my knowledge, uh, on my end, I have six to keep, two to change, and one indifferent. Okay, and uh, as far as the emails are concerned, that I'm tracking. I've got uh, three people who say we should include or extend it to four calls a week and two people who say no. Uh, so if my arithmetic is right, you say you got six calls? Yep. Uh, so right now that means that uh, we've got uh, eight people who say we should keep it as is and five people who are uh, looking to see us increase that to four calls a week. So uh, we'll, I'll tell you what, let's do the results, the, the, the final results tomorrow. I was just about a during nice commercial break. I was actually about to suggest the same thing. <laughs> so we're so we're like minded there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll give you uh, uh, through uh, tonight to let us know what you think. In fact, you know, Sean, there's something I think what we should do 
uh, since you had mentioned that we're, we're expanding our, our use of social media, maybe what we should do is more informal polls uh, on uh, social media. Yeah, we certainly can uh, roll that out with topics like this. Yeah, definitely. yeah I definitely think that, uh, that that would be cool. Another way to hear from uh, the audience as to what they think about what's going on out there. Uh, maybe what we'll do. Well, let me think about that. I, I'm not going to uh, speculate over over the air. Uh, but, yeah, we're, that's something that uh, we'll work on, and we'll start doing that for you. Uh, well, let, me, let me start off with uh, an email that I got from Roger in Ephrata in the last hour. He uh, wrote this to me, or at least I received this, around the same time I was talking to Marie in Reading. And Marie, in part of her conversation, was talking about uh, uh, the mental competency of Biden uh, or anybody who runs for president. Well, here's what Roger from Ephrata writes to me. Uh, he says, Biden, uh, concerning Biden being too old to run for the presidency, I do agree that Mr. Biden is too old to serve as president. However, I also believe Trump is too old as well. The demanding responsibilities required to serve as president dictate that this is a position more suited to a younger individual rather than a geriatric. Roger goes on to say, our choices for this election are concerning. And Roger, I share your concern. He says, is this the best that both the Republican and Democratic parties can offer the American people? Truth is, this country is in trouble on many fronts. Roger continues to write in his email, I think there are many U.S. citizens that truly believe we as a country have seen our best days. Interesting point, because there's an article that if I have time, in fact, I might uh, jump that up in the line. Uh, there's an article out that I was going to talk about today anyway, where not only here in the United States, but other countries as well uh, who are holding elections this year are, are asking that very same question, Roger, that uh, has democracy run its course? And I'll get to that in just a bit. But back to Roger's email here. He says, many historians agree that the average duration for most empires is approximately 250 years. Yikes. Is America at death's door? Oh, that's great. I loved your email. Roger, thank you so much for putting that on paper and sending it. Well, putting that on paper, putting it on electronic form. Boy, my age is showing, isn't it, Sean? Well, you also brought up the typewriting class. So. Yeah, this is true. Oh, my. What century are we in, by the way? Uh, 21st, I believe. <laughs> Anyway, Roger, thank you so much. I really appreciated that. And amen to you, because I agree 100% with everything you wrote there. How about you folks? What do you think of Roger's email? Do you agree with it? Do you disagree with it? Uh, disagree with it? Either way, I want to hear from you. 610-374-8800, toll-free, Well, um, let me see if I can uh, jump ahead, uh, if I can find... Uh, this this article that I was just mentioning here about uh, about democracy. Bear with me for just a minute here, uh, because there's a lot I wanted to talk about today. Again, more stuff about illegal uh, immigrants uh, and uh, running into trouble with the law. And I also wanted to talk about the White House's response to it. But uh, but let me share this with you. This this I got from the Associated Press. The headline of it is. A democracy's appeal is slipping around the globe. Now, I don't know if, if uh, a Roger 
saw this uh, AP article uh, prior to writing his email or not, uh, but it's perfectly timed. Here's what AP is reporting. Representative democracy remains a favorite system of governance around the globe, but its appeal is slipping on the eve of elections in much of the world, according to a survey of 24 democratic countries by the Pew Research Center, and it was released yesterday. While a median of 77% across the 24 surveyed countries said representative democracy was a good system of government, higher than any other alternative, a median of 59% told pollsters they were dissatisfied with how democracy was working in their own country. In the 22 countries where data was available from 2017, which is the last time Pew asked about democracy, the share describing democracy as a very good system was down in half of them. People do like representative democracy, but you see here in lots of different ways, people are really frustrated with how it's performing. Those are the words of Richard Wilkie, a managing director of Pew's Global Attitudes Research, who went on to say in this piece, there's a real disconnect between people and their representatives. Across the 24 countries, all democracies, a median of 74%, said they don't believe elected officials care what people like them think. Only 10 of the 24 national leaders on the survey had favorable ratings from half or more of the public. But the alternatives were seen as even worse. Only six opposition leaders got favorable reviews, and a median of 42% of respondents said no political party in their country represented their viewpoint. Again, I, I go back to no labels. I really think that uh, if they get their act together and come up with a, a viable candidate, I, I, am I saying that they're going to win the White House? No, but I think that if they are able to come up with a viable candidate this year, it's really going to affect the outcome and determine one way or the other which uh, mainstream or which uh, majority party, uh, Democrat or Republican, wins the White House in 2024. I'm a firm believer in that. Uh, people in the political center were more likely to report not feeling like a party represents their views. Again, there we go. That that falls in with this this philosophy that No Labels has. They're aiming at the moderates. The poll comes as the world's democracies prepare for a titanic year. Wow. With elections scheduled in more than 50 nations that represent half the world's population. That includes Indian elections this spring, European Union-wide elections in June, and the November presidential election here in the United States. The voting comes as support for more authoritarian forms of government are on the rise. God forbid. The Pew survey found that in eight of the surveyed countries, support for a strong leader who can make decisions without court or legislative interference increased from 2017. That's, that's concerning to me to hear that. The poll found support for a strong leader increased the most in Mexico, where it jumped 23% since 2017. And when I first read that, Sean, the first thought that came to my mind was, well, maybe that's the case because they want a political leader, a government leader, who can fight the cartels. At the same time, Mexico was one of three countries where support for democracy increased. Brazil and Poland were the other two. 
The U.S. is an outlier in multiple categories, including its support for more autocratic systems. It was the wealthiest country surveyed, the U.S., that is, and while its support for autocratic systems was well below majority level, only 15% back military rule and 26% back a strong leader system, they were higher than half the other countries in the poll. So this is rather frightening when you get right down to it. And, uh, and you know, the, the other thing that comes to my mind here is, does this mean that, that uh, Trump's got a very good chance of becoming president again? given the type of leader that this poll seems to show a lot of people are looking for. Yeah, it's a very interesting thought. And obviously we're going to learn more as the next couple months of uh, 2024 unravel. But I feel like I'm going to have to, I want to look back at what the reaction and the stories and the feelings about the 2020 election were before those results panned out. Like what was the feeling back then with a Biden and Trump uh, showdown? for the first time what's it what was the feeling going into that and what's it and how that's changed now that's because it's really interesting i've only can remember a couple of elections that i was really able to have uh you know a general understanding of what a president's election is Uh but i feel like this year this uh potential election is really the year i feel like people are not going to be like pro whatever their party is like it's not pro republican it's not like whoever's a republican i'm voting for that because i'm a republican whoever's the democratic representative i'm voting for that for a democratic it really does feel like if there was a strong third party choice i don't know if they would necessarily win but it feels like out of most years it would feel like this would be the year that that has a pretty significant amount of votes towards it where it's a pretty big story i just i get that feeling and i wonder if that's going to continue um you know, again, as these next couple of months unfold. It's really interesting. Yeah, Cornell West and Jill Stein, who are the uh, uh, the declared third-party candidates right now, I don't think have enough uh, name recognition nor interest among the po- the uh, population uh, to, to get much support. But I do think, if anything, they could put a dent in the uh, results of, of Joe Biden given the fact that both of them, uh, West and Stein, are on the left yeah. uh, of the spectrum and uh, would, would tend to take votes away from the Democratic candidate. Uh, but I again, what Roger said, and I've been saying it uh, on this show for quite a while now, out of a country of 300 and some million people, why are we stuck with Trump and Biden? It just doesn't make sense to me. I, and, I, I definitely don't think you're alone in that. Yeah, and, and, and all the polls that indicate people are not satisfied with these two candidates, why are we voting for them in the primaries? Yeah, I, I, It just does not make sense and, to and me. Then, you know, a big issue that stems from that is if there really is that feeling, I wonder how many, how many people are going to just not use their vote this year, which would be— which would really stink because that is a right and privilege that we have. It's our duty to cast our vote. Our vote is her. That's, you know, what this country's built on. And I don't have any numbers looking at it, but a feeling I get is I think some people are be like, why does it matter if these are the two people that we have to vote for? And, you know, a lot of people I talk to off air now, a lot of people that I talk to when I'm out and about are saying that exact same thing. They said, why should I go to the polls? Uh, there's, there's nobody that's running that I care to to elect. Uh, so 
why should I even go to the polls? And and that's a shame. Yeah, it is. That really is a shame. But then, you know, I like that uncommitted movement uh, out there in Michigan. I really would love to see um, that on the ballot. Uh, we should be able to to have a protest vote. And, and I'm not talking about write-in. Uh, yeah, I know the write-in option is there. But I think we should have the ability on, on our ballot to cast a, uh, a, a protest vote, saying we don't like any of these candidates that uh, these major parties are, are, are giving us. I haven't been satisfied with any of the ma- major party, party candidates since at least 2016. Uh, I voted third-party candidates in, in in those elections. Yeah, I was I was 16 at that time, so I was my first presidential election was 2020. That was the first time I was allowed to vote, but um, I was in high school actually when that 2016 election went down. So it's interesting taking uh, I believe it was civics that year and learning about you know they were tying that into what our, what our curriculum was that year. So it was very interesting. Okay. Just those opinions. But I have to wonder, going back to this AP piece, are people really not happy with democracy or are they just not happy with their their elected officials? It seems to me that it's the elected officials that, that they're really not happy with. I, I agree. I think it's more of a do we really are we really doing a, a sequel to 2020 with the exact same candidates? four years older now i think that's really what it is i don't think it's a main issue with democracy i think it's like really this is the best we have Mm -hmm. i think it's i think it's more like that and 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 if there's anything that i take from a positive note if if you want to put it that way (laughs) in reading this apparently the united states isn't alone in the dissatisfaction people have with those who are running for office today it seems like a lot of these countries are saying the exact same thing to uh, the Pew folks who conducted this survey that they don't like their candidates either, that they're not listening to them. I'd love to get your take on these things. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts about uh, what we're talking about here today? 610 374 8800, toll free, 888 0459 are the numbers. It's your on air town square. Love to get your opinions on these things. We'll be back with more feedback in just a bit. A sleepless night in the city. No peace and quiet in the city. It's hotter than the water from a boiler in the basement of hell. Serving Barnesville, Schuylkill Haven, Tremont, and all of Schuylkill County. This is News Talk 830 WEEU. And now back to Feedback with Bill Saunders on 830 WEEU, the voice of Burks and Beyond. Welcome back to Feedback, and uh, we've got a couple of people who want to weigh in on the topics that we've been addressing. Jeff and Sam, in that order, I'll be with you guys in just a moment, so hang in there. Bear with me. First, uh, Sean, you have uh, some information. I believe it was Irene who called in and said that she thought Medicare required a cognitive test as part of your physical exam, and I said, you know, I'm not aware of that because I never got one. 
Uh, and yet you've got uh, information that says otherwise. Share that with yeah, us. Yeah, so according to the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS.gov, uh, uh, detecting cognitive impair- impairment is a required element of Medicare's annual wellness visit, uh, AD- AWV. So that, so I guess Irene have brought up a point there. Um, and it also says you could also detect cognitive impair- impairment as a part of a routine visit through direct observation or by considering information from the patient, family, friends, caregivers, and others. That's how, the bloop it gives me there. How about that? Thanks for looking that up. I yeah, appreciate that. And Irene, there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, I stand corrected, but again, my, my physician hasn't had me take one. So, uh, so I find that interesting. I'll have to share that with my doctor the next time I'm in there for my uh, what we call wellness check. It's not an annual exam in, in Medicare. They call it a wellness check. All right, with that said, let's go to the phones. Jeff in uh, Mooresville wants to talk about the No Labels Party. Jeff, welcome to Feedback. Hi, Bill. <clears throat> uh, just some questions. I, 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 I know the uh, basic about No Label, but... Um, what uh, what platform do they stand on? Uh, you know, what are their principles? Well, it's it's a group made up of uh, primarily moderate politicians. They were hoping that uh, 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 that they could get uh, uh, Joe Manchin, the uh, retiring U.S. senator from West Virginia, to be their uh, presidential candidate, but he backed out. Uh, Joe Lieberman, you might recall him. He was the vice presidential running mate with Al Gore uh, back in uh, 2000. He mm-hmm. he is one of the people who's spearheading this no-labels effort. And right now, the latest I've heard, Jeff, is that uh, they're eyeing Nikki Haley as a possible uh, presidential candidate. Now, whether Nikki would want to leave the Republican Party or not, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if that is, and I threw this out as a speculation. Might that be the reason why she continues uh, to run in the race for president, despite the losses, the heavy losses, to Donald Trump at this point? Uh, that remains to be seen. Um, my, As far as their platform is concerned, uh, I might suggest, if you have a computer, Google No Labor, Labels Party to see if they do have a platform up. Um, given the fact that they don't have a candidate yet, I do, I haven't seen a platform per se, but I do like uh, at least some of the things that I've been reading in the media about no labels. Unfortunately, they just don't have candidates right now. Um, so they're, so whether or not they're going to field somebody, given the fact they're a third party candidate, they're not going to be involved in primaries anyway. So they really don't have to have a candidate until later on. Uh, once we get full force into the uh, general election. But what are your thoughts overall about the two major parties, Jeff? Well, my, my thoughts, just continuing on, on the no labels, is the fact that um, concerns me greatly that we'd have someone run and, and, and I wouldn't know what what they stand for. Um, you know, there there's, for instance... Uh, what's their stance on the First Amendment? What's their stance on on abortion? What's their stance on uh, uh, Second Amendment? You know, because uh, to me, the Constitution is something that when we give up rights or we waver on those rights, we lose them forever. Mm-hmm. If you have a tax increase, that can be changed later on. They even 
they even start making uh, tax inc- increases and, and cuts that uh, expire in sunset. So that is, is a momentary thing. Um, at my age, I'm a contemporary of yours. I, I'm more worried about um, the country that I leave for uh, Keith Richards and, and, uh, and uh, his, his, uh, his country singing buddy as a joke. Um, no, I'm more worried about what we leave for our children and Absolutely. how strong our republic will be. And the only the only way our, our republic stays strong is if we live by the principles this country was founded on. Absolutely. Well, here's what uh, I here's what I found about No Labels. Uh, it's an American political organization whose mission is to support centrism and bipartisanship through what it calls the common sense majority. Uh, and apparently No Labels was founded back in 2010 as a 501 uh, by uh, current president and CEO Nancy Jacobson uh, uh, as one of the founders of the, of the party. But that's what I like about the No Labels movement is that it's, it's centrist and it's bipartisan. It's not, uh, it's not this far left or far right nonsense that uh, dominates the news today or the, the politicians that are in the far right and the far left. Uh, what they it, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, based on your assessment, Jeff, but it seems to me that these uh, far left and right politicians do what they do so that they can rush out to the cable news networks and get on the news that night uh, so that they so that they can get their their favorite soundbite heard. Not so much because they 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 want to do things for the public, but they want the attention. Uh, and, and I'm totally against that because we're not accomplishing all that much in Washington. What are your thoughts on that? I'll stop pontificating now. <laughs> well, again, I, I'm I'm of the belief that uh, again that our, our our Washington government should be small, um, almost to the point that I, I think they should be be like um, like babies. We, we should. You know, see them, and 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 know they're there, but we shouldn't hear them crying a lot, and we shouldn't smell them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not laughing at you. I'm 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 enjoying. No, no, what it's you're fine. Saying. You can laugh because it's it, it, it's you know. I, I love which. Well, you sound more like a libertarian. I, I probably am more of a libertarian. Yes, I I, I probably do lean that way. I'm pretty much a live-and-let-live person, and if what you're doing doesn't affect me, I really don't care that much. Um, And I don't mean it to be callous, but that's, you know, again, I think freedom is is one of our biggest assets and one of our most most cherished assets uh, that we have in this country. I'll, I'll end by saying I believe we have the best form of government in the world. Amen. The, pr- the problem is we don't have the best people in it. Amen. And, I, and Jeff, I'm, I'm working on trying to get somebody from the No Labels Party to come on the show and, and talk with us about their movement. So stay, okay. stay with us somewhere down the road. I'll, I'll have an announcement on that, okay? Okay. Jeff, thanks for the call. Thanks for listening. And I appreciated what you had to say today. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye now. Bye. Let's go to Sink. Let's see. The next call is Sinking Spring and Sam. Sam, thank you. You've been awfully patiently waiting. I appreciate that. Good morning. 
Well, good morning, Bill, and thanks for having me on the show. Listen, I, he, we, we all know what the definition of insanity, right, uh, is. <laughs> it, it's doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. And I fear that's exactly what we have going on in our country right now. Uh, look, I'm, I'm looking at two polls that came out this week from The Economist. And the economists found that only 16% of the American people actually approve of the job that Congress is doing. Wow. Only 27% think that the country is on the right track. Mm -hmm. So before we we completely uh, say that, that, you know, democracy is simply under attack, let's take a look at how it's actually working for us. I fear Congress has really abdicated its duties to special interests, though, and it's hard to see it any other way. I mean, do you enjoy a government that's constantly run by continuing resolution? I certainly don't. It's a joke. And and we also have the executive branch that's been abusing executive orders and abusing their powers, like this fiat by, by Biden to forgive, quote-unquote, forgive uh, somebody else's debt, which means that it's put on to other people, not those who actually incurred it. That's absolutely insane. So democracy is not working for the American people anymore. I know you don't like the idea of a more authoritarian executive branch, but imagine an executive that would actually suspend uh, Congress for a moment, for a moment, by using the power of the pen to withhold the financing of Congress itself until they actually implemented something like term limits, term limits and age limits, which would actually be substantive change along with other uh, reforms that need to take place with, with elections, uh, uh, specifically with campaign finance. Imagine, imagine the executive that would do that. That wouldn't be a, a Hitler or a Mussolini, but would actually give the power back to the people once again. So while I don't uh, want a, 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 an autocrat forever, it seems to me that democracy is quite broken right now. It's not working for the American people, and we definitely need change. Sam, I love what you have to say, and I hope that you'll call in and and, uh, share your thoughts with us again in the future, too. Well, thanks again. I I appreciate that, and thanks for for holding up this topic. I know you talk about it a lot, and I I, I want people to to keep talking. All right, buddy. Thanks for calling today. Appreciate it. You betcha. 610-374-8800, toll-free, 888-401-0459. Stephen Redding, Donna in Moton. You folks are up next right after I take care of a little bit of business here, okay? You're listening to Feedback. You're on Air Town Square on The Voice of Burks and Beyond, 8.30 a.m. WEEU. Serving Tamaqua, Pottsville, Pine Grove, and all of Schuylkill County. This is News Talk 830 WEEU. Welcome back to Feedback. Let's quickly go back to the phones right now because we've got a couple of people who are on hold that want to get on. Let's start with Steve in Redding. Steve, good morning. Welcome to Feedback today. Good morning. How are you doing? All right. How are hey, you? Uh, I'm doing good. I often hear people say that welcome uh, uh, immigrants, but they have to come in legally. Well, it's nearly impossible to come in legally. It really is. And Steve, I'm having trouble hearing you. You're on your cell phone, I assume. 
Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, is there any way that can you? Uh, is there any way How's you can? That? Is that any there better? we go. Start start again because it was difficult to hear what you were saying in the beginning there. Okay, I often hear people say they need that immigrants should come into the country legally. It's nearly impossible to come into the country legally. And if you remember when Donald Trump first got elected, he asked the Congress to fix the immigration system. And he said, if you don't fix it, I'm going to enforce it as it's written. And they didn't fix it. And he did enforce it as it was written. So that's that's the way the law is. And they say, once you get into this country, you should work to become a citizen. Most Immigrants that come into the country that uh, do it with with good intentions do want to become citizens, and that's also very difficult. I would encourage anybody to uh, call the Literacy Council over in West Reading and uh, volunteer over there because those are truly people that want to learn English, want to learn the American way, and want to become citizens. And that's why we have so many people coming in under amnesty. Because that's one of the few loopholes to come into the country. Then once they come in, then they, they get lost. Uh, the, other, the other thing, I, so it's up, it's up to the Congress to really fix this thing. And uh, the other thing I'd like to do is do a shout-out to Bob from Leesport. The other day, I think he had like two minutes, and he summed it up really, really well in two minutes. I think he's an excellent person. I believe he was my junior high seventh grade history teacher at Governor Mifflin. Oh, my. How so, about that? Uh, and I really appreciate you being on the radio those few days that we were off. I really missed you. I really did. Oh, thank so, you, Steve. I appreciate for your that. Show. You thank do a you. great job. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Is this your first time okay. of calling in? No, I've called before. Well, keep it up, buddy. Love to hear from you, thank okay? Thank you. All right, you take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. And I believe uh, Donna in Moton uh, wants to talk about a cognitive test. Is this the uh, Medicare-related one, Donna? Uh, yes. I just wanted to mention that when I've had my wellness test, uh, the doctor would add, would give me three words, and then later on in the visit, they would ask for those three words back. Oh, how about that? And I think that was my cognitive test. Now, I did let them know ahead of time that dementia runs in my family, so I thought it was because of that. But evidently, uh, it's supposed to be done for everybody. Well, now, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's runs in my family, too. Both of my parents mm-hmm. passed from that, and, and, yeah. and my doctor knows that, and I'm surprised she has not given me this cognitive test. Yeah. Uh, it's just... Repeating, trying to remember the three words, checking my short-term memory, because that's what goes first. And uh, I just, uh, I've passed it each time. (laughs) That's great. I'm glad to hear that. Stay as active as you possibly can, you know? Yeah. I also wanted to mention, I think it was last summer, you played uh, the Miami Sound Machine uh, uh, song, and you mentioned that you saw them at the Valley Forge theater. Oh, yeah, you do have a good memory. Yes, I did. Yeah, I remembered that because I was there. Were you really at their concert? Yes, I was. Were you one that was dancing in the aisles? (laughs) I was dancing, uh, standing in front of my chair. I know that. (laughs) That's what I was doing, too. I was standing in front of my chair. It, It was one of those concerts you just couldn't stay in your seat. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, I don't remember if they were there for any length of time, but, so we might not have been there the same day, but uh, I was there. How about that? That's incredible. I'm, I miss the uh, Valley Forge Music Fair. Yeah. And uh, years ago, uh, I know on um, uh, Hollywood Squares, mm-hmm. and they would talk to each celebrity, and a lot of them were going to uh, Valley Forge. And when I'm from out of state, and when I had relatives come in, we were driving around. I said, oh, there's the Valley Forge Music Theater, because <laughs> they had heard so much about it. <laughs> who is the, I, I'm, I'm trying to think, I can picture his face now, uh, who was, who for a while was hosting Hollywood Squares, uh, John Davidson is his name. I got, uh, well, I, John, yeah, John was on there a lot. Now, I think the other guy was, I can't remember his name now, but uh, uh, was the host. Right. But, uh, John Davidson was one of the squares. And one of the reasons why I'm bringing up John Davidson is I saw him at uh, Valley Forge Music Fair. He uh, uh, was in a musical there, uh, and I can't remember what the musical was, but uh, but I did get to see him. And mm-hmm. uh, and so that was that was a thrill, too. But, yeah, I got to see a lot of... Uh, famous people there at uh, Valley Forge Music Fair over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Donna, thanks for calling in. And, and, and like I've said to the other people, I hope you'll call in again too. Okay. I've been listening to feedback for years and I have called in before, but not with you. So this is my first time with you. Well, I'm blessed that you did. <laughs> okay. Th- thank you very I'll much. To, I'll try to call back again. All right. You do that. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Bye now. Bye. All right, but uh, the um, the as far as the poll is concerned, uh, Sean, did you get any more calls from people who wanted to talk about how many calls per week we should do? Uh, I got one more to keeping it as it is, and that was as it is, okay. and then that was it. That was the only other call I got. Now you did now over a commercial break. You did tell me there was one person <laughs> who says drop it to two calls yes, per week. That right? is true. That was, I did get a call about that. <laughs> All right, so we're going to leave that poll open, uh, and we invite you to email us uh, between now and tomorrow morning uh, at feedback at 830weeu.com and let us know what you think. And, yeah, I like the idea of doing polls uh, on social media. Yeah, no, it's another way to get feedback (laughs) as it is. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, and you were talking at the beginning of the show, and for people who weren't listening uh, earlier today— uh, we're back in podcast form. Yes, that is correct. I was able to get all three episodes this week up on podcast format. Uh, we have the big three, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon, as well as a ton of others. The other big two that we don't have quite yet is SoundCloud and Radio FM. We have to create accounts to get those up, but we'll get those up as soon as we can. But wherever you should uh, use podcasts, search Feedback with Bill Saunders, and we should be up and running for there. And we'll have this episode out a little bit later today as well. So uh, anybody who missed the show can uh, can catch it that way, because when, when we stopped doing the podcast before, I was inundated with emails from people saying, why did you, why'd you stop doing it? That was my way of being able to listen to the show. Yeah, well, hopefully this gives uh, people what they want, and they're able to listen to us uh, anytime they want. Cool. And not only on the platforms you mentioned, but uh, the podcast for feedback also appears on the station's website. Correct. At 830weeu.com. Just look under the menu for podcasts and you'll find it there. Correct. All right, we're going to take a break. I can't believe the show, today's show's almost over. Yeah, it flew by. It did. 
When I'm loving, I'm loving the input we get from listeners. You folks are what make this show count. I say that every day, and I mean it from my heart. We'll be back in just a bit. of talk news talk 830 weeu the voice of burks and beyond so tomorrow we've got a jam-packed day first and foremost during the nine o'clock hour sean is going to debut his segment talk a little bit about what you're going to going to share with us tomorrow yeah so uh we want to find uh a more what people around my age that demographic what some issues they have today and topic i'm going to debut tomorrow is funny enough similar to what we were talking about today but it's uh, our issues with, you know, the age of our presidential candidates being pretty high. And not just them, but people in office in general. Uh, the age is a little bit, you know, not really representative of what we feel like our view, like our views are going to be different from theirs. And, you know, if we want if we want to have this government work, we need to hear and have perspectives on all ages. So that's a big one I'm excited to debut. Cool. So that's tomorrow during the 9 o'clock hour, and you'll be taking callers, right? Yes, I will. If anyone wants to talk about it, it will be just like a a copy and paste feedback, but just with Sean. There we (laughs) go. They're looking forward to that, buddy. Looking forward to your new segment. And Ari Middleman will be my guest during the 10 o'clock hour. Ari is with the group Keep Our Republic. Uh, which works on keeping integrity in our elections. It's a bipartisan effort underway, and we'll find out what that's all about. That's during the 10 o'clock tomorrow, uh, 10 o'clock hour tomorrow. And then uh, the monthly edition of Tooth Talk with Dr. Eric Angstad of Angstad Family Dental comes your way during the 11 o'clock hour. So until tomorrow, make it a great rest of your day today. <laughs>